Boom, what's happening podcast family? My name is Jack Nagel and this is another episode of Real Drug Talk where we discuss all things drugs and alcohol, addiction, addiction recovery and anything else interesting in the space. Now my deepest apologies, we missed a week, a couple of things happened. We've been going like the clappers to put together a new offering just around the book that we have and we've changed a few things up. Um, If you've already purchased that book, you're going to get all the new stuff, we'll email it to you as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just been all systems go creating that. Um, and on top of that, my hard drive crashed. <laughs> so I lost all the uh, backed up episodes that I had. So we missed a week. Sorry about that, my people. Um, but we're back to regular programming now. Um, and what we're going to do this week as I just gather everything back together after the good old hard drive crashed, um, upload to the cloud people, uh, is... I'm going to replay an episode um, with a mate of mine whose name is Leo um, who works in the drug and alcohol space and has just recently been on um, the ABC, You Can't Ask That, uh, around um, Xanax and and his addiction to Xanax. So uh, I'm going to replay the episode because we actually had to delete it some time ago um, just through some, some external reasons and stuff, which is pretty normal. But Good news is we can publish again. Again, so I thought it would be good to kick off with that, um, as it was a popular episode while it was up last time. Um, so thanks for bearing with us, people. Uh, keep your ears and your eyes peeled for the next. Um, I'm hoping next week it'll be out for the next week, um, where we've got some stuff happening with the new book. Um, and yeah, hope everyone's well and and cruising along and and kind of getting through the winter. Um, as always, this show is brought to you by Connection Based Living. We help people to get recovery without having to go to rehab. If that sounds of interest to you and you don't want to go and be locked away for you know, 30, 60, 90 days um, away from family and friends, all that kind of stuff, um, then we might be able to help. Uh, you can find the info for that um, in the description. Um, and without further ado, let's jump into the show. Good to be back. Peace. Boom. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Real Drug Talk. Now, just straight off the top, we've got Leo here today, which uh, I'm excited about because he's one of my good mates. And we've done an episode already um, on the radio station that we have our show on, but we haven't put that up on the podcast. So we thought that we'd do part two and bang it up on the podcast. But just a disclaimer... Um, I'm excited about it. I was just talking to Leo about it. If anyone just hears a dog going crazy in the background, don't worry. We just adopted a dog yesterday and she's just getting used to the house. Um, and she's a little, she's a little bit nuts, but she's, uh, she's gorgeous. So sorry if you hear a crazy dog, but how you going Leo? Good. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. No worries. Um, now, how do you go with all this stuff, talking about your story publicly? Obviously, I know you personally, we fuck around, have a laugh, all that sort of stuff, and I know your story, but how do you go speaking about it publicly? Is it weird? Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like probably um, maybe a couple of years back, if I was you know, talking about it, I'd probably feel a bit uncomfortable. I think you know, as the years have gone on, I've slowly kind of eased into being a bit more open about myself and um, about my life, I guess. Um, 
I guess like, you know, having friends like you as well, who, you know, quite openly share their story and stuff um, has, I guess, opened me up to that idea. And um, yeah, nowadays I kind of feel, I feel quite passionate. I feel like I I definitely have um, a story to tell. I feel like, um, you know, nothing really, but, you know, good can come from, um, you know, sharing your experience and kind of, um, you know, letting people out there know that they're not necessarily alone as well. Um, um, I guess sharing some funny shit along the way. Yeah. So no, I, I think it's awesome, but it's a good, it's a good issue to talk about actually, I think, because, um, there's, there's kind of some funny nuance around it. I'd be interested to get your opinion. So how many years have you kind of been in recovery now for? Mm. So I'm coming up to four years clean, um, at the end of the year. So, um, just a couple of months shy of that. Um, and you know, I've kind of been around recovery circles since about 2014. So I don't know what's that like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Six years. So, um, you know, I, I remember when I first like did something a while ago, like on the radio, um, and someone did say to me, um, you know, like, remember that's going to be out there forever. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, I, I, I do, I do think about it when I come through this stuff, I go, oh, um, you know, is that going to affect, you know, future job opportunities and stuff like that? But I guess I, I'm lucky, you know, I work in the, the AOD field and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I share my story um, pretty regularly within my work and, um, you know, aspects of my story. So, um, yeah, I guess I've become more comfortable with it. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to like not be too worried about that stuff in my workplace. Yeah. No, it's interesting because... Uh as you as you know um we're doing the um experience matters collective and we're thinking about because there's always this debate about people with a lived experience like and it's true it's actually it's correct and it's a good thing around you know teaching people how to tell their stories um but i've just it's it's been funny because i've been talking to professionals lately and stuff and it's a fine it's a fine balance because you do want to talk to people about the pitfalls that could happen. You want to talk about like the benefits that could happen. Um, and you want to help them to frame their story so they don't get taken advantage of and all that stuff. But then also, right, I found, and I don't, I'd be interested to hear if you found the same thing. There's, there's kind of professionals and they, they think they're sort of helping, but they're almost like telling people how to tell their stories, you know, just to kind of conveniently fit into the bits that they want to hear about because it, fits into the academic research that they've been conducting or whatever it is. Have you experienced that? Or what, what do you think about the parameters around having people help you tell your story? I know we weren't expecting to talk about this. I randomly <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like it's kind of like anything in life, um, you know, from politics to, you know, wherever you go, like people are trying to frame particular narratives um, yeah. and, you know, society does try and mold, you know, in any kind of conversation, how we frame a different narrative. And um, I think, you know, it, all that stuff you mentioned is really important, but, um, and the reality is that, um, you know, if, if, it's, if it's a genuine trying to kind of help, you know, say a consumer um, or someone who's, you know, sharing their story, um, if it's a genuine thing of like, hey, we care about your interests, um, I think that stuff's really important. Yeah. Because um, the, the, rea- the reality is, right, um, you know, that there's a whole heap of stigma out in, in the community. Um, you know, people with drug and alcohol issues um, are viewed as, you know, um, people who just haven't tried hard enough in life. Yeah. Um, or, 
you know, people who um, have made that choice. So I think by going out and sharing your story, the reality is like, um, if you do want to, you know, step into a workplace that, you know, is kind of away from maybe, you know, the community sector or something like that, um, it is really important for, for, you know, someone who cares about your interests to go, hey, like, just so you know, like, I understand you, but the, the rest of the world might not. Yeah. Um, so there's that, there's that real balance between, um, you know, um, offering genuine support um, and then, you know, on the other side of things, I guess people just want you to kind of fit their narrative. And I don't necessarily have the answer to that, um, but I, I do kind of know whenever I've stepped into, you know, like something like this or um, maybe something in the bit more mainstream, say radio, um, I am always really curious about what narrative they're trying to push um, yeah. and what kind of um, conversations they're trying to have. Yeah. Um, I've been, my experience with talking, um, which, you know, kind of publicly is, is probably not to the extent that you have, but, um, but it's definitely been one where whenever I've been asked to talk, it's been, you know, a positive thing. Um, and more so I've been given really, you know, really good props for, um, you know, I guess where I've come from to where I am. So, so that's really good, but I'm sure there's heaps of people out there have had bad experiences and put their story out there and, um, you know, the media or, or whoever has kind of adopted it to be a, a certain way. So I think that's really disappointing. I think that just, you know, further creates, um, you know, stigma within the community. Yeah. And I'm interested to find out about it because we're now having a lot of people reaching out to me after this podcast kind of saying, you know, they want to come on and talk about their story and stuff, which is cool. And, I, and it's kind of a reflection of what I'm thinking about when I'm talking to people. And I'm the same as you. I don't exactly know the answer either. But how did you kind of decide, like, when the time was right? Was it a time limit thing? Was it just how you were feeling? Because some people want to share their stories, like, when they're, like, 30 days yeah. in, into their journey. Um, and on one hand they're actually the best stories to hear because they're so close to addiction and all that stuff that they can articulate it really well and all that stuff. But then also it's really hard to know whether you want to, what you want to do in your life when you're like 30 days into your journey, you know? So how do you kind of, <laughs> how did you make that decision? Oh, look, firstly, I'll start by saying, like, I'll come back to my decision, but I think, you know, what comes to mind for me when, when we talk about, you know, asking people, you know, that are a bit more kind of fresh, um, you know, in, I guess, trying to get clean or, you know, drug and alcohol recovery. Um, I think about as a worker um, and as a human being, like, what is my duty of care to another person? So in, in a situation like that, I'd think about like, my duty of care is probably to, you know, support or advise a person that may not necessarily be, you know, in the best place in their life, um, yeah. just to, you know, move forward with caution. Um, and I think that's, that's what I'd do with any friends. Like, you know, and when I say duty of care, that's a bit of a fancy kind of thing that, you know, talk about in a work, in a, you know, community services workplace, but really it's just looking out for someone else and going like offering them a different kind of perspective on maybe, um, you know, that might not be the best thing at this point in your life, um, yeah. depending on what you want to do. But um, for me, I, I really, really, I think I spoke when I first got offered to to do um, some radio. I think um, I, I think I had a chat with you. Um, I think we're on, on on our way up to like you know lawn. We're going away for the weekend or something like that. And I got this offer in the I car. Don't 
Oh, you yeah. did too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't imagine you would. Um, I think <laughs> I, had a, I had a chat with you. Um, but I also just, you know, spoke to people that I really trusted. Um, yeah. People who have kind of been through the same journey as me in terms of, um, you know, recovery. Um, people who um, I really respect that work in the same field as me. Um, and I just wanted to get a kind of a rounded kind of view on how, um, you know, putting myself out there um, could either benefit me or affect me. And look, ultimately, I just I kind of bring it back to the fact that um, I'm lucky because I do work in, in that sector. And, um, you know, the organisation I, I work for really celebrates, um, celebrates, you know, the lived experience of people. Yeah. Um, and so, so all, all that stuff's really helpful. But God, if I was working in a corporate kind of setting um, where, you know, uh, uh, relationships like were a big part of my you know, work and I was trying to, you know, do all this, you know, fancy stuff, um, I'd probably really, really consider it. I don't think that, I don't think that, sh- reconsider, I mean, I don't think that should be the case, but, um, you know, I'm pretty realistic, like, and I'm quite aware of, you know, the stigma out there and how people can um, really, you know, kind of hinder, you know, how they move um, through life. So, yeah. No, interesting. Um, so on that note, um, what is your story? <laughs> um, <laughs> give us the, give us the three minute snapshot. Yeah. I hate it. How you ask for a three minute snapshot. It just, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it's not really able to capture it, but I love, I love just watching people try and synthesize it down. Yeah, squirm when you ask for that. Um, so I guess, um, look, oh God, how do I say it? So my story has kind of been that, um, you know, I didn't grow up in like a, a terrible family or anything like that. Like, like most people, um, I grew up in a family that had quite a bit of dysfunction, um, you know, single parent household. Um, and, um, you know, I had, had issues at school you know, lots of bullying, stuff like that. I was quite an overweight kid when I was younger. Um, you know, always kind of felt really different, which I'm sure is like a, a common thing you kind of hear when you, when you talk to people, Jack. But um, yeah, always felt really different. Um, at some point along the way in my schooling, um, I bounced around from different schools and, and then I kind of um, landed at a school, fell in with the, you know, the dude smoking ciggies out the back and stuff. And um you know, one thing just led to another. I, I, I always wanted to be accepted. Um, not that I realised it back then, but I always just felt really different, always needed to be accepted. And, um, you know, I fell into using drugs. And um, at the age of 13, you know, I was, um, I was smoking weed every day and, um, you know, skipping school. And, um, you know, from the age of 13 to 21 was, you know, my story of addiction that, um, you know, went from smoking weed to, you know, party drugs, ecstasy and all that stuff to, um, you know, then injecting heroin and ice and, you know, becoming really heavily addicted to Xanax and, um, you know, having crime as a part of my story and, and being involved in the juvenile justice system and, um, you know, having things like, you know, police curfews at the age of 16 and, um, you know, having a report to the police station twice. So we're going to, all, all of that kind of stuff and just really crazy stuff for like a young person, um, yeah. you know, like breaking into houses, breaking into cars, um, using, hanging out with people who were kind of in and out of jail. And um, I was really just a sweet kid um, who just like nowadays, like when, when I tell people that they go, what the fuck, you know, like that's... Um, but that's it's, even, it's, that's funny that you say that, right? 
and sorry to jump in, but like, it is funny when you say that because for people listening, I forget about that, but I remember like going over to Leo's house and like, yeah, like having to jump in the window or fucking running, <laughs> running back to your house or something to try and make the curfew so that we were home just in case the police came or whatever. But like, yeah, all of it just seems so normal. And I think that's the thing that's misunderstood. When I look back on our friends and just like what you said, you know, like all, all of our friends were somehow or another in trouble with the police or doing all that stuff that you just said. But all like really nice kids, like when it kind of came down to it, really, like not like, I don't know, not like running around doing like violent crime or I don't know, like, yeah, just, or maybe some people, but anyway. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, but that's what makes me laugh. Like if you actually just take the person for the person, just really like nice, kind people. Yeah. 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 Man, when I, when I, when I genuinely think about it, like there's so many like aspects at play when I talk, when like I think about my like young teenage years moving into like, you know, young adult years, um, I just had so much anger inside of me and I, I, I wouldn't say I'm an angry person. Um, but I look back and I go, wow, that was a really angry, like young person. Um, and you know, like I connect that anger back to, um, you know, feeling powerless as a young person, um, yeah. within my family environment, within the situations that I was put in, um, you know, um, with my mum's kind of different relationships and stuff like that. Like I felt really powerless. And as a young person, when you feel powerless um, and you don't know how to communicate that stuff, um, you feel angry, you know? Um, I just had this like unresolved anger um, that I ended up turning against myself in a way, you know? And, and I did that by um, using drugs and then being angry towards the community. Right. So um, all these, yeah, it's just interesting kind of looking back and going, um yeah dude just didn't know how to feel emotions <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and so like do you reckon i don't know like why did addiction happen to you mm. yeah tough like I, I, uh, I feel like um look i feel like um to be honest i kind of i i go off I'm sure there's heaps of different things at play, but I really do go off, um, you know, the model of like childhood experience in a way. Um, You know, um, that's how I make sense of my story, Um, you know, and I think, um, like I said, like I grew up in a loving household, you know, with like, you know, my mum and my sister and, you know, I had somewhat of a relationship with my dad, but um, there was always extreme dysfunction, you know, living with one of mum's boyfriends or, you know, having to move schools and, um, you know, not having um, my dad there permanently around and not having really any, um, any you know, really healthy male role models. Um, you know, that, that idea of, um, you know, like experiencing rejection and abandonment as a young person, um, you know, like those things like seep into your, you know, into your psyche. Um, and, um, I genuinely, yeah, feel like, um, it, it comes down to like experience and then how I've, I've had an inability as a young person to kind of, uh, I guess adapt to that experience and recognize those feelings. And, um, then I'm just kind of left with my 
self trying to cope, trying to, trying to work out how I cope with life. Um, and then drugs become a, an option. I don't know. That's kind of a messy way of explaining it. Um, and I don't necessarily have the full answer. I think it's, I think it's, it's a bunch of different things, but, um, yeah. And, and like, when I say like childhood experience, who knows if I, if I grew up in this, you know, normal Australian household, like, you know, fa father and mother, you know, went to a private school, like who knows, I still might've, you know, got, in, got into using and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one, man. Yeah. So like in recovery then as well, like, have you had, um, like, have you had to continually go on and seek professional help? Have you been diagnosed with stuff? Like, has there been in a good or a bad way, like labels put onto you that make sense that have played out in your life that you can kind of make sense of and tie back to your experiences with drugs? Yeah, sure. Like, I, I guess my kind of story was in terms of like, um, you know, at the age of 21 to 25, I started trying to get clean um, and, you know, had a few little hiccups along the way and kind of got clean and then used and got clean and then used. But um, my experience was I was always really against kind of like therapy. Um, and I, like as a young person, I was like, you know, 15, 16, 17, mum just wanted to fix me. She'd take me to psychologists. She'd take me to family counselling. Um, I'd have to go to, you know, juvenile justice workers, like all this stuff. And um, obviously I didn't put any effort into doing it, but like I just got taken there. So, but I always had this thing of like, nah, they don't work. Um, so this time around when I, when I really decided that, um, you know, I needed to, to stop using drugs, um, I, yeah, thought like, fuck, I, I better, I better do some therapy. And, um, I, I ended up engaging with this, with this dude who, um, who just from the moment I met him kind of, um, felt extremely comfortable with, and, um, yeah, I ended up getting a, a diagnosis of complex post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, um, that diagnosis, so the difference with complex post-traumatic stress is um, it's a prolonged, prolonged exposure to, um, to trauma, right? So, um, and, and that kind of, opposed to kind of one specific incidence, and um, that kind of says to me that, um, yeah, like, as a young person, right, or whether, you know, I can connect it to my using years, I can also connect to my young years, but, um, we've kind of established like a, a fair bit of that comes from when I, when I was a young person and um, having that, that, I guess, diagnosis or label or whatever, you, whatever you want to call it, it's really, really to give me some understanding and go, Oh yeah. Like it's not like something else is acknowledging my pain um, in a way um, and going like, yeah, it, it wasn't easy for me. Um, and the experience I had with my whole life was I minimized everything, you know, like I, um, grew up my whole life saying, oh yeah, nothing, nothing bad enough has happened to me to become a drug addict, you know, like yeah. my life was good. Um, and, um, you know, by, by going into therapy and I guess looking at that diagnosis and having, you know, a professional say to me, um, Leo, like that there, some tough shit happens, you know, like that's mm -hmm. not normal. Um, and, um, and someone going like, it's no wonder you have, you know, these feelings of, you know, rejection and abandonment and you kind of um, like look for something to kind of um, 
you know, age you in feeling that stuff and yeah. in, in not feeling that stuff. So the, those, 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 that label and diagnosis was really helpful for me. Um, yeah. It has kind of at times gone into the, gone into, you know, Oh, I'm stuck with this. this is, I'm going to be like this forever. Yeah. Um, but more so than not, more, more times than not, it's been a really helpful, helpful thing. Yeah. Nah, and definitely because it's funny, right? And just for everyone listening, being 100% honest, like, you know, I've had numerous conversations with Leo after him having this diagnosis, which has kind of inspired me to try and get out of denial a little bit and slowly go back and see different professionals. Because despite having, in my life, having a lot of shit going really well, um, I guess externally and internally, I still I, I still have patches where I'll just fucking be like wiped out. And it's not it's not normal either. It's not like, oh, I'm just feeling a bit flat. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I can't get out of bed, you know? Um, and, and people are probably like, we're, we're, we're laughing about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> people probably hear this and probably don't understand it. Like, we're just laughing about it because we, we know, we know, like, Depression and all this stuff isn't funny. It's fucking really hard. But um, yeah. knowing you, I, I know what it's like for you, and it's hard, yeah, not to laugh at times. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's good. Well, that's the only thing you can do is laugh, and it actually fucking helps me to laugh about it. But, but like what you were saying is true. Is like I always, and I don't know how to say this politically correctly, but this is my <laughs> podcast, so who gives a fuck? Um, you know, I always associated that kind of thinking of myself as having a diagnosis or or acknowledging my troubles in my life and the different stuff that's happened as not like weak i don't think it's weak but i kind of i i very much saw different people in my life that were like fucking victims to their past experiences not just because they had it but just constantly not like having a diagnosis or having an awareness of what's going on and not just talking about it, but really like falling into it and going on about it and just becoming that identity of that thing. Mm. And I really associated talking about my stuff around that and not wanting to be one of those people, but you're right. Like a hundred percent acknowledging it and actually having the courage to talk about it and kind of go, Oh fuck, that really did happen to me. It helps heaps. It helps yeah. heaps. And, and when you, when you talk about like, you know, it becoming someone uh, going through like the, like, you know, going through, you know, now it's been almost four years of therapy. Um, and those early year or two, of the, the early years or two of doing that stuff, um, I, I felt at times like, you know, um, my pain was my whole world um, yeah. because, because I was so consumed in it at times um, yeah. because you know, you just don't have the tools to, to manage that stuff. And um, I find it interesting that like, I know heaps of people that have the same kind of narrative as, as, as you just kind of mentioned around like um, the mental health stuff yeah. um, th that you had, sorry. And um, it's, I just find it interesting that, you know, we can put up our hands and go, Hey, like I'm a recovering drug addict, <laughs> but, but, then, but then we can't even, we can't acknowledge mental illness or mental health issues and to me, that just speaks so loudly of like that just ingrained stigma in society that like even being a drug addict's worse than having a mental health issue, you know, yeah, 100%. Um, even though they're so heavily intertwined, but I just, I find it interesting.
Yeah, and I, I find it weird as well because to me, uh, mental health issues are way more easier to kind of explain medically. Well, I find anyway to people or to society, you know, um, way more easy to explain that than it is to kind of explain someone's drug addiction, you know, like, but still a lot of people find it harder to acknowledge the mental health thing, even though it's pretty well documented that a lot of it is just like a medical thing that you have no control of. It's like, it's like having a fucking diabetes or something like type one diabetes or something. You know? It's like, <laughs> it just happens. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And just a side note, like, Holly that we work with in the connection-based living program, she's all about it. And I reckon she's onto something. So out of every single client that we've had, I think there's one person that hasn't had multiple um, concussions in their life that doesn't have like addiction issues and some mental health issues. And there's like this research about that. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting how it's all linked in. Yeah. So, so how did you so we got sidetracked a little bit there but you 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 went through like addiction and what was your main kind of what was your main drugs like what was your thing because you actually a little bit different like yeah you used ice and all that stuff but your i reckon your main thing was like prescription pills for yeah. a lot of the time yeah yep, for sure i mean like it's 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 so hard for me to really clearly define um because <laughs> i loved yeah. them all um, yeah. I, I loved them all i was I was a absolute glutton for, um, you know, pretty much anything that um, made me, um, you know, not have to be in reality, you know, um, you know, but, you know, since, so like I said, like since the age of 13, I was really heavily, you know, like addicted to, to cannabis and, um, you know, smoking, smoking weed in the family home, like, you know, every day um, having groups of like, you know, eight young men, you know, jam packed into this small little bedroom that I had in, you know, my mum just wondering, like, what the fuck is going on in there? Um, and, um, you know, like, I remember once I, once I got addicted to, to the, the, the chuffin, um, you know, probably about a year, you know, whatever, like, obviously, I was a young, really young person. So, like, I didn't have heaps of cash. Like, the way I used to kind of um, fund that, you know, like, at that time, it was, you know, I was smoking a gram of weed a day at the age of 14, and which isn't much at all. But um, the way I funded that was, you know, like, at school, I'd go scab, you know, like dollar coins at the tuck shop line um, at lunchtime and stuff and, um, you know, get $15 for the end of every school day, you know? Um, and I remember one day I couldn't do that. Um, for some reason, or one day I didn't have money and I, I didn't have weed that night and I just couldn't sleep. And it was my first real experience of like, oh, fuck, like I'm, like, I'm reliant on this shit. And, um, you know, like I, um, I went into my mom's room, like, oh, mom can't sleep. She didn't have any idea why. Um, and, um, you know, she gave me this pill. Um, and my mum was like, it's really sweet, like, you know, really clueless person. She was prescribed um, a prescription drug called Valium um, for her anxiety, right? And so she goes, oh, this might help Leo, you know, like try this. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor thing, like no idea. Um, and, you know, I tried it and um, it felt good, you know, put me to sleep and, um, and um, so from there, I guess, like I, I started, you know, um, stealing her her prescription medication, so Valium. Um, after a while, she got prescribed to Xanax, and um, you know, like I started to work out that oh, if I took this Xanax and this Valium, um, and I smoked weed as well, 
I'd, I'd feel even better. Um, yeah. And, um, and you know, then I worked out, you know, if I drank on it, like I'd feel even better and like all, all this different stuff. And, um, you know, really quickly, um, really it wasn't, it wasn't Xanax person. It was like Xanax with something else was yeah. my, was my drug of choice. That was my holy yeah. grail. And, and, you know, from those moments, I, my, you know, my goal in life was to get prescribed to Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy if I, I got a prescription to Xanax. And, um, you know, obviously, um, when you take Xanax, you kind of, you, it's almost like, um, a blackout drunk kind of thing. You forget whole, you know, big periods of you know, what you've been doing. You wake up and the next morning, you've got all this stolen shit, like at, at your feet and kind of don't know where you've been. You woke up with cuts, bruises, you know, bleeding. Um, well, that was my experience. Oh, a hundred percent to this day. I tell people that all the time, a hundred percent, like the worst drug that I ever took, not because of, but we, yeah, it was Xanax. Cause like, and then, and it was really cheap when we were using as well. It was yeah. like, I know it's really expensive now, but it was like two, two bucks for a tablet. Yeah. And you could like, when you first start, you can, oh, anytime really, you could have like one or two tablets and a couple of beers and you're fucked. Like, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a good chance that you are, that like you'll struggle to remember stuff the next yeah. day, you know? Yeah. And, and like, that stuff is so, is so addictive as well. Like, um, the stuff that's produced by pharmaceutical companies. Um, That's the good stuff. That's the the most addictive stuff. And, um, you know, withdrawals from, you know, any kind of, um, you know, prescription pill like Xanax or Valium or, you know, lorazepam and all that stuff. um, Extremely, extremely difficult to withdraw off. And, um, you know, for me, it got it like, I I remember this really clear time where, um, you know, like, had a couple of mates who, who got into using heroin and I, I tried heroin a few times and, um, you know, I'd overdosed like every time, like, you know, stopped breathing and got brought back to life. And I thought, Oh, I better just stick to the Zannies. And, um, I had this one, this one time where I was, you know, off my head down at, you know, one of the local train stations and, you know, like can of bourbon in one hand, ciggy in another hand, trying to scab money for it. You know, another can of bourbon, um, really like low, low kind of stuff <laughs> i'm thinking about it, it's just crazy but um and i was just so like dead set on i needed to get the train to richmond and um and go to my dealer to get to get zannies and um and i had these two dudes that i was with who you know were pretty hooked on heroin um and they were like leo like why can't you just not you know <laughs> like why don't you just not get zannies today um and i was just like i, I just like had to go um and they just left me there um and um you know i think about times like that and i go like the you know the power of that little pill you know like Mm. on my on my psyche and on my mind and um you know it just took over um and you know add that in with um you know starting to use ice and stuff like that and um you know um your brain changes (laughs) And I think, I think one of the worst things about Xanax, and this is like what I remember about you, if you don't mind me sharing, but you know, like you just, it's hard to explain to people, but you just can't, you're so stupid. Like when you're on it, you literally will like say the same thing over and over again and stuff like that. Mm. 
So if you're taking those every day and drinking and you have like a month of that, which you did like multiple times, like you just miss, like there's bits of my life from yeah. using that I can't remember just at all from taking Zannies and stuff. Um, and the thing that's like the worst about that is it just like, yeah, like fucks your memory and stuff like that. So I remember like going over to Leo's and he had like a wall full of literally like a wall full of, full of yellow sticky notes with just like little thoughts written down, nothing intelligent, just like this and that. Um, uh -huh. do, to go to the shop to get this that day or whatever because you just couldn't remember anything and like that's kind of how you were operating life <laughs> mate un unbelievable I, I, I look it's quite it's, it's embarrassing right like thinking about it now but i also you know i can laugh about it because obviously i'm not there anymore if yeah. i was if i was still there um it wouldn't be funny <laughs> yeah. and you know um but yeah man it's 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 crazy um it's crazy that stuff and i i still kind of look back and go yeah i don't remember you know from about the the years at the ages of like 14 to probably 21 um massive chunks of my life um they're probably dug away in there somewhere but um yeah i can't remember and it's in it's like when you bring up stories like that i go yeah yeah that's right and um like when someone else mentions something i remember but um yeah, it's scary that that can happen. You can just lose big chunks and, you know, do things that you don't remember. And, um, like, I, I really, you know, with the weed and the, and the pills, um, like the consistent weed use and the pills, like, um, I, I ended up developing this, like, identity that, like, yeah, I was just this fried, um, yeah. fried, stupid person um, that said some funny shit from time to time, but you know, like people laughed at, you know, my jokes and stuff. And, um, I developed that as an identity as well. I was like, Oh, Leo's just, you know, this dude. Um, so like that, that's, what's been really cool about recovery as well is like kind of re re looking at who, who Leo is as a person and going, Oh, you're actually not, you're not that. Um, and then having the ability to go study and work and, and go like, yeah, you're not just <laughs> this like fried kind of dumb person. Yeah, 100%. So um, how did you make, like, so you said at 21, you started, that. that's the funny thing. I was, um, see, sorry, everyone, there goes the, the doggo. Um, that's, the, that's the funny thing, right? Um, and I was talking about this to one of our other good friends. I always remember you and him in particular always going to detox as well, like from a very young age, like, even though you said like 21 was like when you were trying to stop and I guess maybe that's rehab, there yeah. was always elements with you and even like with Sammy, you know, he used to go to detox a lot as well. Like, yeah, there was always from like, ever since I can remember, really, you were always like going to detox and, and there's sort of this sense of wanting something different in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's when I, when I look back at my journey, it's actually crazy. So, um, you know, started using, you know, um, the more mild drugs, I say, I say mild, you know, um, they're not mild, but like when I was, when I was younger, like 13, 14, and at the age of four, you know, 14, 15, I was already engaged with, you know, the, the counselor, um, at the school I went to, um, she kind of had engaged me with a drug and alcohol worker who'd come visit me at my house and stuff like that and take me to Macca's and shit like that. So I loved seeing, I loved seeing him because, yeah. yeah, they used to buy you bongs and shit. I remember that. Yeah, bongs. 
Workers used to buy you bongs. Yeah, I I had someone that bought me a bong because it was like it was like the harm minimization thing. They didn't want me smoking out of like a Gatorade bottle and stuff. True. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think my 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 worker ever bought me a bong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they used to buy me Maccas and stuff and and come visit me and like I think um you know at at that really young age that stuff was more to appease appease my family and to kind of like um try and maintain what i was doing like you know by seeing that work i, I was able to maintain because i was seen to be trying to kind of get help i think yeah. um yeah. you know so that's a very early stages and you know obviously in those times i was you know mum was taking me family counseling and all, all that stuff and um you know, then I think the age of 15, 16, I was still engaged with that worker. And, um, and you know, I think I'd, I'd had, I think it was about 15. I had my first, like, you know, quite serious criminal charge. i um, been arrested for burglary and, um, and um, yeah, like my mum was just freaking out. I was freaking out because I'd never been in trouble with the cops. And, um, and like, I was like, oh shit, like, am I going to jail? I'm, really, I, I wasn't even close to going to jail, but, um, at that stage, but, um, yeah, so like I, I, you know, I kind of went to detox, um, at the age of 15, 16, and, um, obviously that looked good for me for court, but, um, there was a part of me that knew what I was doing. Like it, it, like, yeah, there was a part of me that goes, oh, you can't be doing this, but I've really wanted to do it too. Like, I, yeah. like that, that drug or those drugs, you know, um, did something really powerful for me. And, um, they allowed me to be, carefree and emotionalist in the world um yeah. and i was never carefree and emotionalist because emotionless because um you know i had so much inside of me and um yeah look i, I think you're probably right though like at, after the age of like 16 17 um i started to go on a detox a few more times and actually started trying so yeah. at, at a young age i was trying to quit um but you know I definitely wasn't at that stage where I was actually ready to, but it was kind of like that whole thing is like, you know, if your ass is on fire, you know, like try and try and put it out. But, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't fully willing to put my, put my fire out. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to 21, like, how did you, what was like the final tipping point for you that actually pushed you over the edge to kind of do something fully serious or do the level of, support and help that you really needed to get the change that you wanted um oh look dude i don't know like i think um like i remember this one really specific time so i'd i'd pretty much lost you know most of my friends in my life like you you'd got clean quite a few years before me and um you know obviously you, you separate yourself when you when you kind of get clean and um you know i'd been in a, a quite a you know traumatic relationship that um you know, it was full of, full of using, full of, you know, lots of kind of um, just damage and pain. Um, and so I'd, I'd been in that relationship that had fallen apart. I'd lost a bunch of my friends. Um, well, not lost them, but that, you know, people went in, in different areas, heap, heap of them kind of passed away. And um, this one dude who I was, who I used to, uh, who I had been really good friends with without a falling out because he kind of sold me dodgy ice and, um, yeah, we ended up re-engaging and kind of using together for the last little bit. And I remember sitting in my, in my like beaten up Honda Civic car 
um, in a car park, like along the train tracks in Hyatt. And, um, you know, we we're just smoking weed and, um, and um, like joking about wanting to kill ourselves. Like, <laughs> like, but like, and like all the ways we'd do it. Um, and like, I don't think we, we actually necessarily wanted to die, but like we did, we did want our circumstances to be different. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, like he just kind of turned to me and said, oh, I think I need to go to rehab. <laughs> and um, I'd, always, I'd, I'd explored the ideas of detoxes before, but I'd never considered long-term rehab. Um, and um, this dude who'd used this quite similar to me um, we'd had kind of some of the same experiences. I kind of had this thought and I went, oh, if he, if he thinks that's a good idea for him, maybe it's a good idea for me. And then over the next kind of month, we both kind of, um, you know, worked together to try and get ourselves both into like, you know, rehab and detox. And he ended up going up to one in Sydney and I ended up going, um, going to one out kind of past Packenham um, in rural Victoria. And um, yeah, that was where I guess like my recovery journey started. And my recovery journey has been a long one since then, but um, that was where I was exposed to the ideas of, you know, long-term recovery um, and, you know, having a different life. Yeah. Yeah. So just quickly, I ask everybody this that's been, what's rehab like? Like, what do you fucking do? What's it all about? You know, how long was it? Man, I, I had no idea what it would be like. Um, I knew what detox was like, which which is just like you kind of just chill in a house and like, you know, eat, eat good food and stuff and try and get the drugs out of your system. But yeah. I had no idea what rehab would be like. And um, I thought it would probably be a bit more cruisy than what I what I expected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me, rehab was um, on this farm um, out in, you know, like I say, country Victoria and um, and you know, a bunch of different houses. There was, you know, about 50 people on the property as well, other kind of people in recovery. And um, what it was, was, um, you know, a, a, a long-term process from, I was in rehab for about nine months. Um, you know, people these days kind of stay for up to a year at times. But, um, but what it kind of is, is like, you know, a long-term behaviour change program in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess like... Um, you kind of do stuff like, you know, behavior change, um, stuff to do with relationships. Um, and when you change behavior and you change relationships, you know, you kind of thinking changes, I guess, in a way. Um, and um, yeah, man, rehab was like one of the best times of my life. It sounds weird saying that, but um, that was the first time since a really young person that I experienced, um, you know, actual like love, um, care from, you know, genuine love and care. Um, that was the first place as I, I started to develop male role models um, yeah. and, and go, oh, okay, so like these other male role models that I've been looking towards, um, like they're probably not where it's at, <laughs> you know, yeah. and started to develop healthy ones. And um, yeah, it was, um, it was a life-changing experience. Awesome. Really interesting. Now, people, we're going to have a quick intonation break because I really need to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> Could be a while. <laughs> and we're back. Sorry about that, people. Um, just, just to let everybody know, I was just saying to Leo, I'm actually doing a gut protocol um, with Holly, who we've had on talking about that. Go back and listen to that episode. And it's just, uh, it messes with your, uh, yeah, your uh, digestive. digestive system. That's right. <laughs> Probably too much information. But anyway, so 
I find that interesting what you're saying, um, that it's like a long-term behavioral change program. And that's, I think that's a really good way to explain it because people often think, you know, oh, I'm going to rehab, like what the fuck is that? And it just really demystifies it, you know, because I remember when I went, I don't know why I thought that, but yeah, I maybe because that's previously sort of a little bit of what I'd experienced with the medical system. I thought it was going to be like the psych ward, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And totally. I, sort of, I sort of thought I was going to be, yeah, just in my own little room thing, getting, I don't know. And it wasn't that. It was something completely different, you know. Yeah. yeah. My, look, my, like, it, it, was, it was certainly a shock to the system when I, like, when I stepped foot inside this place, you know. Like, um, my anxiety from using drugs, um, you know, had, had gotten to the point where, like, I, I'd struggled you know, on a day-to-day basis, I'd struggle to step out into society. Um, you know, like my, my world kind of was so, like, my world was, you know, the, the house I was sleeping at and my, my, you know, little four-door Honda Civic that I'd like jump in the car and, you know, go use drugs down at the park in. And um, if I had to fill up petrol, um, I had to G myself up for, you know, a good period of time before actually stepping outside of that car and, you know, going to fill up the petrol and going in to pay for it because I was just so, by this time, I was just so scared of the world. Um, yeah. I was so anxious and kind of paranoid and um, felt so different that, um, you know, like I, um, yeah, my anxiety was just through the roof. And then stepping onto this, into this rehab um, with, you know, 50 to 60 other kind of people, you know, around you kind of at all times. And, um, you know, like it was just terrifying. and um, like I remember getting there like my hands were just sweating and I was just so nervous and um you know like obviously that stuff chilled out over time but um the idea of like you know being around people um 24/7 having healthy relationships um you know learning to communicate your needs um which is behavior change you know learning to talk about emotions um yeah. learning to um you know learning to just be different and having the structures in place to kind of, um, you know, behave in a different way. You know, you do that stuff for long enough and um, you create patterns. And um, the way I like to kind of think about it is like, um, you know, like our brain works off like all these different pathways and like wirings and stuff. And, um, you know, it, our brain is experiences and, and memories. And um, if, I'm, if I'm a young person and I step out onto a street, um, and um, almost get hit by a car. My mum drags me back and goes, don't fucking step out onto the street. You could have killed yourself. Yeah. Like that then plants a memory in my head and goes, goes, all right, so next time you step onto a street, you look both ways. So you don't, you know, die. <laughs> and your mum doesn't crack the shit. Yeah. Um, that's what kind of rehab was as well as like, you know, having experiences um, and in a safe space to go, oh, it's, it's okay to kind of, um, talk about emotions or it's okay to kind of if someone annoys you go hey like that didn't make me feel very good um, you know like learning all that stuff um, because you know I'm sure like you've spoken about plenty of times before Jack like using drugs is not about getting high it's a it's 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 having like the that is um, the, the byproduct of it but um, getting high means we don't have to interact in life and and you know take responsibility and have have these feelings you know and um i needed to learn how to do that in a safe space and yeah. um yeah it's it certainly like um it was just it was mind-boggling to me 
Yeah, and it, it is like, it sounds so simple, but it is like really profound because, and how you explained it is really, you explain it really well because essentially we're like as humans, we're just kind of like dogs or monkeys. We're just like a little bit smarter. You know what I mean? And we, yeah, so that's right. Um, <laughs> um, and, and we, yeah, we kind of get patterns and habits and ways of doing things programmed into us, whether that be externally in our behavior or internally, emotionally. Um, yeah, we, we get that programmed into us. So if we're like using drugs and we're going on that pattern for a long time, obviously there's all a bunch of different belief systems and emotional yeah. patterns that form and you have to, like essentially you have to reprogram yourself when you go to rehab. Yeah, and, and, and that's why like I, 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 I make those correlations between, you know, childhood experience um, and, you know, like, um, and then how that stuff affects your life and then, you know, say doing something like, rehab can change those experiences and experiences in a way so like if if you grow up in a household where you know there's heaps of dysfunction and your feelings um you know are unheard by you know the, your primary caregivers or um you know you feel unsafe um the experience you adapt in your head is like okay so life is unsafe or you know it's unsafe to communicate my needs or to tell people hey like this is not okay or i don't I don't feel safe in this environment. And, um, you know, I spoke about internalizing that stuff and you internalize that stuff. And then obviously you get into this using world and stuff and you internalize it even more. And, um, you know, rehab was the very beginning of breaking down some of those, like breaking down some of those chains that like, I guess my past experience had kind of wrapped me up in. Um, and, you know, the rehab's not like, you know, nine months of rehab, not doesn't fix that stuff but it definitely like gives you that really early experience to go okay like there is a different way to do things um and um yeah yeah interesting so uh something else that i want to ask you about that people always ask me is you kind of mentioned your recovery journey it's been from that time that you went to rehab but it's been hasn't always gone smoothly, but it's been since then, which is about six or so years. And then you've been completely uh, sober for four years or something. Um, so, and fuck, that's gone quick. Um, so what is like a uh, big question? What is like recovery? Like, what does that actually mean? Or like, what are you doing if you're in recovery? Like, yeah. What is yeah. that? Is it just an extension of the stuff that you do in rehab or is it something else? Or? Uh, it's not like kind of, I guess like rehab kind of created that foundation. Um, but like, you know, I guess to put it into some context, like my, my recovery journey has been, yeah. So like 2014, I, I entered into this rehab and I spent specifically about seven or eight months on the actual, in the actual rehab and then went into the transition program and, um, you know, like at that stage, I was still 21, 22. So quite, quite young and, you know, um, you know, quite, I guess, naive to some of the, you know, how tough it would actually, it would actually be. And what happened for me was, you know, after this, you know, like almost a year kind of long thing with the rehab kind of program, um, I, I, um, you know, I went out and I studied and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I went and studied youth work and drug and alcohol and, um, you know, like I'd kind of 
my kind of thinking was that, okay, I've done rehab and, um, you know, like I'm sweet now in a way. Um, yeah. And, you know, so after, you know, kind of that experience and staying clean for almost two years, um, I kind of started to move back into life and, you know, start working and, and all that stuff. And um, what happened was, um, you know, I started drinking again and, um, and ended up picking up drugs and having, you know, a, a big kind of um, go at using again um, for a couple of months. And um, I think, you know, when I think about recovery these days, um, you know, like it's not my whole world, but what it is, is I guess, um, you know, for me constantly being willing to kind of grow and learn about myself and, yeah. Um, like my recovery looks like a, a bunch of different things. It's obviously like, you know, attending stuff like, you know, a few support groups that I go to, um, a massive part of my recovery, um, is that therapy stuff that I spoke about and, yeah. um, being open to therapy has been, has been massive and, um, you know, um, stuff like mindfulness, which, um, is like, you know, doing meditation that's absolutely changed my life. Um, how does that help? Um, how does that help? Like, uh, look, my, my experience with mindfulness and, and meditation was it's like pretty much everything that I do in my life. Um, I, at some stage or another, I've been against it or like kind of haven't kind of been open to doing it. And I had a mate who was, um, was using, and I used to tell him like, all right, like you need to do, do this, like you do, do these different things and that's going to help you. And he'd never listen to me. Um, and I'd get, I get really fucking pissed off. And then one day he kind of came to me and he said, um, he said, Oh dude, I've been meditating. Like you should try this. And I thought, Oh, fuck you. Like you don't listen to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you and I'll, I'll really show you. And I, I had this experience where I, 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 you know, went home and I meditated and, um, I don't know, like it, I, I, I guess I did kind of have, um, like a, a mystical a, experience, a, a little, a little bit. That's not what meditation is for me these days. Um, but you know, I, I felt, you know, these sensations in my body and, um, and I felt like a, a bit of a separation from my thinking. And I thought, wow, this, this stuff's amazing. And for me, meditation has been, um, a bunch of different things, but, um, for me, meditation is, um, you know, being still, um, and, you know, despite whatever I'm feeling or thinking, um, you know, just being okay with it. Um, yeah. And not not reacting to um you know my, my my how i feel or or what i'm thinking about and not being so guided in my day-to-day life by my my thoughts and my feelings and to me that is recovery um in in a nutshell is um okay so i can think and feel whatever i want um but that doesn't have to dictate what i do so um you know if i think i need to use I actually don't need to use it's just a thought if i if i if i'm feeling you know whatever i'm feeling like that's okay so it's it's been it's a bunch of different things it's you know for me it's self it's learning self-compassion um it's learning how to be with myself it's learning to accept my experience moment by moment um yeah i don't know it's it's hard to put into words but like you said like to me meditation and mindfulness isn't this spiritual you know like um levitating kind of thing um it is like i I like the science behind it and um you know the science behind it is really clear that says you know um if you meditate consistently for for a period of time um your brain starts to change um 
and um you know like i um i i want to move through life um without being like reactive to kind of every single situation or um you know i want to um move through life and kind of be able to i guess um yeah i want to move through life through like calmness and um ease you know rather than stress and anxiety and and all, all this different stuff yeah no interesting um, right, that, was, that was a long form answer no i like <laughs> it well it's one of those hard things like everybody says it and the reason why i ask because everybody says it and it feels like to me anyway that med- meditation is just slowly turning into like one of those tick box things and and people aren't taught about it i suppose and they're just told to do it and they don't really know how it helps so yeah when it doesn't have immediate results they just kind of give up on it you know yeah well and 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 that's that's like uh, uh, yeah it's it's cool you mentioned that because um often I, i hear people say like oh you know i don't have the like I'm not, I don't have the brain to meditate or like, you know, I'm too restless to meditate or, um, you know, like stuff like that. And I go, nah, but like, that's why you do it. Like you do, <laughs> you do that yeah. stuff to learn, like to, to not be a super restless person or to not be, um, you know, kind of so reactive to all these kind of emotions and feelings. And, um, you know, like when, when we talk about like meditation, like, um, you know, most of, most of those, like, you know, therapies like CBT and, um, and you know, like DBT and all, all this stuff that you know psychologists do. Like the the common theme these days is they all have some aspect of mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I just think that um, that in terms of recovery, so I'm going off on a tangent. But in terms of recovery, like you asked me what recovery is to me, really it's just about um, consistently having a growth mindset um, yeah. and consistently going like. Um, you know, if I can make this little bit of change, um, you know, in this small period of time, I can't imagine how much like change and difference my life is going to look like down the track if I keep working on myself yeah. um, and keep looking at myself and going um, how and, and, and gauging how I respond in situations, how I interact with people, um, how I move in the world. Um, yeah. yeah, to me, that, that's stuff I'm passionate about is like, um, we are we we do have this like limitless potential um yeah. and um yeah it excites me yeah um so the like that potential and what we were talking about right at the start like sharing your story and and all that kind of jazz mm. this is a bit of a question without notice but how 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 have you gone about separating like not being defined in the, cause you're in the alcohol and drug space and mental health space, working with other people, whatever. How have you gone about defining yourself as more than just like the person in recovery and actually, yeah, like having value and something to offer. Like, has that been hard? Do people often just kind of write you off as the mm. experienced guy or yeah. yeah, totally man. Like I am, um, look, I, something that I've always been really big on is, um, you know, like, getting into that field of work is, um, you know, I, re- I really value the lived experience of people, uh, lived experience of people, but um, I also really value education um, yeah. because I never kind of did education when I was, you know, younger. Uh, nowadays, I really value that stuff. So to me, what I think makes a really good worker is a mix of both. Um, yeah. And you, know, you don't have to have lived experience to be a good worker, I'll just add, but 
Um, you know, like I think, you know, I, I've never wanted to be defined by, you know, um, by my past or, you know, um, I'm, I'm not employed because I have, um, you know, experience. I'm employed because I have an education, um, yeah. you know. Um, and look, I think it kind of, um, like it comes down to that stuff of, um, of uh, like when I, I really made an effort to challenge those beliefs when I came into recovery. So like I mentioned before, I always thought I was kind of really, you know, dumb and all that stuff. So um, I went out and I kind of dipped my toes in the water of some study and I, I, I proved to myself that I could do that stuff. So I went and did a bit more study and then I proved myself to myself that I could do that stuff. So I, I, I went and did a bit more and to, that created healthy self-esteem. Um, yeah. that, that created a different aspect to my identity. Um, yeah. And through doing that stuff, um, I've built, you know, my own esteem and, and gone, yeah, that my past and that story is a part of me, but it's not all of me. Yeah. Um, and that's what recovery has been about is like, you know, identi someone's identity is made up of all these different things. And kind of when you're in early recovery, um, you know, that is your identity. And like, you know, you've just got this recovery identity. Um, but then the more you move out into life, you, you, you know, you get some study or you get some work or, you know, you find a hobby and like, you know, all these things make up your identity. So while I've got my work and my story, I've got these other, I've got other things I'm interested in, you know, like, and um, um, like they all prop each other up. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's been about building self-esteem and about um, how, you know, how confident I am in myself to not let that stuff define me. Yeah. So it's really interesting you say that. I love it. That makes, because that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting because I've had conversations with you um, and I think it's interesting for people to hear, you know, like, not that there's fucking anything wrong with this, by the way, I'm actually quite envious because I'm as about as handy as a foot. Um, so I actually, I actually wish that I could do more, but you know, just for Leo, like I remember him kind of, you know, cause Leo was doing a lot of like concreting and it always done and was doing like landscape gardening mm. and had quite a bit of experience in that. And yeah, we kind of talked about many times, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just for you, it, you were like holding yourself back with it and you were kind of like, you know, I don't want to, big holes for the rest of my life but I feel yeah. like this is all I can do and then it was just so huge for you stepping outside of that and doing different stuff totally I, I think I um yeah man like that's 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 exactly right like so I got into trades and stuff um you know through that drug that drug and alcohol worker that I was talking about before um he you know as a young person he got me in my first job you know he got me into an apprenticeship when I was still using drugs and um you know tried to help me um, through life. And, um, so I, you know, I dropped, I dropped out of school and I, I started working in trades and stuff. And when I was younger, I actually really loved that stuff. Cause it'd give me money. Um, I could be semi-active. Um, I could smoke cigarettes during the day, like, <laughs> and, you know, like that's, and that's, that's the hope I had for myself. Um, I the hope was that I'd, I'd get a trade and you know, um, that would be my life. And, um, like, like you said, man, there's nothing wrong with that stuff at all, but, I didn't have any, like, that was all I wanted for my life. Um, and then when I started to have a new experience with life and in recovery, I go, oh, hold on, like, I can have more. Um, yeah. And so it's not necessarily about the actual jobs. Yeah, it's, that's right. It, it, it's about the idea of, like, 
I can, I, I can want better for myself. Yeah, that's right. You know, like getting clean is, oh yeah, there's more to life. I can want better. It's like work. I can want better. And, um, you know, when we talk about self-esteem and talk about building, you know, a new identity and, and, you know, building yourself up to like, to a place where you shouldn't, like, you don't need to use drugs because you love your life so much and you love all these different things, like challenging those beliefs around, um, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And, and, and doing that stuff is just, um, that stuff is recovery for me, you know, um, yeah. being so fearful of education, um, and not being good enough and doing it despite feeling really bad about it. Mm. Um, and achieving, um, and then going, all right, new, new belief. Great. I'm all right at that stuff. And then challenging it again and building on that belief and, um, you know, doing stuff like this, um, you know, like my first ever kind of speaking thing, like doing stuff like that. Um, you know, when you look at yourself like an anxious person, but then yeah. you get up and you can do that stuff, that builds a new belief, you know? Right. So it's all like everything. When you ask the question, like, what is recovery to you? Like everything is recovery to me. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, the life I had before recovery was, solely centered around using drugs and um and me and um you know today like any any new experience in life or challenge is is recovery yeah so interesting well thanks man thanks for coming on and doing it again i know it's i know it's hard we did pretty well we didn't like just be fucking stupid or whatever people might like that as well but we kind of we're able to get a little bit serious no it's been good man I, i love um I love having the space to talk about myself for an hour and a half. So thank you. <laughs> That's good. Now, um, I, I'm not sure. I actually forgot to ask you about this, but we kind of do a little plug for anyone that comes on the show at the end. I don't know if you do anything by yourself or if you pump the agency that you work for, or is there somewhere where people, you know, they like what you're putting down that they can find you or find out what you're involved in. Oh, look, man. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be skeptical to um to like plug the organisation I work for just because I haven't had um you haven't asked about it. fair enough <laughs> yeah I haven't had the okay but yeah look um like man by all means if anyone's interested in like having a chat with me further hit Jack up and and um you know I'm happy to answer answer any questions and 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 have a chat but um really I guess like the message that like I'd, I'd be trying to kind of share today is like um you know if you're in, if you're, you know, struggling with addiction stuff, if you're kind of in recovery and you're struggling to be there, um, things get better. Um, life is actually really cool. Um, and, um, it just takes time. So, um, yeah, be patient and I don't know, do some meditation or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Cool, man. Thank you. Boom. There you go, people. That is another episode of real drug talk. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, As I said uh, at the start of the show, we'll be back to regular programming uh, as of next week. Um, You can find out and get help through us at Connection Based Living. We help people to get recovery without going to rehab and keep your ears peeled for the new um, book offering that we have coming out soon. All right, talk soon, my people. Peace.